Hello and welcome to episode 115 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe and with me as always is Mitch. G'day. And we're continuing with our A to Zs. We did A last episode with the A team and today, obviously, we're doing B. So you actually came up with this topic. We were just sort of spitballing some ideas and you threw this one out. And we are looking at the 1968 you could say it's a classic, I guess. I would call it a classic. Yes, we're looking at the 1968 film Barbarella. So I've we'll probably mention the soundtrack when we get further into it because it is a pretty kick-ass soundtrack, isn't it? But yeah, I like a psychedelic, shagalistic, yeah, baby. Definitely. Um, I'd seen this movie a few times, but I probably haven't seen it for about 20 years. So it was good to go back and watch it again. There's a few things in it that I didn't remember. So it was, it was kind of cool to refresh my memory. What was that? My pretty, pretty, my pretty, pretty. Yes. yes. Yeah. But her name's Barbarella, not pretty, pretty. That aside, let's, let's talk a little bit about Barbarella. So what was your connection to the movie? Like, why did you decide we should do this for me? Because I'm a red blooded man. No, I don't know. I, I have a fondness for it. I do own it on DVD. I'm tempted to buy it on Blu-ray because I want it even more crystal clear. But it, it's just a movie I caught. It's one of those films I found very young. It was on telly one Saturday night because I used to stay up and watch a bunch of shit. Always that late night movie on a weekend was generally where you would find your horrors or your science fiction on TV here in Australia. <laughs> so that's what I would stay up for and try and find stuff. It was either we would have had videos at the time, but it was probably pre the five for five dollar sort of days of the video library. So I was there, there looking for whatever I could find. Because I remember Monday nights used to be great because they'd show either Elvira or there would be your old science fiction films. So I'd be staying up late on a Monday during school times, which is very bad of me. No wonder I had terrible grades. But yeah, so I just caught it one night. Not knowing what the fuck it was, it was pre-IMDb, before I even had a Lennon Moulton movie guide. And it was like, what? what is this? And I was a boy coming of age as well at this time. And <laughs> it did things to me. I didn't Perfect. know what it was at the time, but it was like, wow, yeah, it did things to me. Hmm. So ever since then, I've had a fondness. And if you ask me who was my favourite, who, who do I think is the most attractive woman or, you know, was my biggest crush at the moment or whatever. My first crush would have been Daphne from Scooby-Doo, the Cato character. But I always have a fondness for Jane Fonda in Barbarella. She is an amazing looking woman, and especially in this movie, she has never looked better. Yes. So, yeah, that, that's never gone away. <laughs> mm. So when it came to B, I was just looking through, like I was looking through the DVD collection of mine, going A, B, C, D, looking for stuff to talk about the topics. And it's like, why not Barbarella? Why not? Yes, it's probably a little bit less obvious than Batman. So, yeah. I don't know when I first saw this. It was probably 80s when I was a teenager as well, I guess. I, I think I saw it on video. But as I said, I definitely can remember seeing it multiple times and then not watching it for a very long time. But, uh, yeah, Jane Fonda is incredibly beautiful woman, and she really makes the most of this movie, I guess. So I don't know what much she had done before this. Uh, I think this was probably the movie that broke her for a lot of people. I think so. 
Yeah, and originally she wasn't going to be cast in this movie. They originally wanted either Bridget Bardot or Sophia Loren were a couple of the names they were kicking around. But because she was married to the writer or the director, I think it was the director. Yeah. yeah, she was married to the director of the film. He sort of suggested that Jane Fonda get the gig. So good on her. Well, yeah, yeah, so, she, and she didn't really want to either. I mean, she had done things in the past, Cat Blue and Barefoot in the Park. So she'd done stuff. Mm. And then it was after this. And I mean, only a year later, she did They Shoot Horses, Don't They? So, and Clute a year after that, or two years mm. after that. So she had a, quite a prolific period. Yep. And definitely made a name for herself. And then she became Hanoi Jane not long after that. But yeah. Something else. I mean, the director itself was Roger Vadim. And Bridget Bardot was one of the others I were talking about. But yeah, when it came to other people who were going to be in the car, if you look at Roger Vadim, his um, his ex-wives are Bridget Bardot <laughs> and other partners were Catherine Deneuve. So he did all right for himself. Yeah, but he made a couple of movies that were sort of sort of on the erotic lines. So he was a big science fiction fan and Dino De Laurentiis was the producer and they wanted to make a Barbarella movie based on a Italian or French French. French comic called Barbarelle, obviously. And it was, a, you know, set in the future of this very pro, or not pro-sex, it was a very liberated, I suppose, world or universe that they were in. So they wanted to make this psychedelic sexual film and that sort of thing. Jane Fonda apparently was quite nervous about being in it and how sexual it was and was um, bulimic, actually, when filming she was a bit worried about the revealing costumes because it was quite revealing and she did get nude quite a bit in the film. And yep. Yeah, so um, it doesn't sound like it was the greatest experience for her on set. No, you can look at it in 2021 eyes and it really is a little bit exploitive to poor old Jane Fonda in this movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's it's pretty much exploitive to any of the females that are in the film. It's exploitive to anyone. Yeah. Even Pygar exploited so it's meant to be sexually positive it's not meant to be exploitative i mean it is there is definitely a male gaze going on because like i said she's a very attractive woman and it's his wife and he made her look fantastic the costume designs are crazy and amazing and definitely um got the most out of jane fonda and what what she she had to offer it's set in the future. She represents Earth in the United Federation of Planets or whatever it is, the equivalent. Yep. And she has to go find a character called Duran Duran. She crash lands on a planet and she gets, you know, and part of payment for saving her because these children turn up and it's like, oh, hi, you're lovely. And they talk in gibberish. And then they end up knocking her out by throwing a snowball with a rock in it at her head, knocking her out, taking her back to their lair. And setting dolls on her, like yeah, that's freaky, isn't it? Dolls with razor sharp teeth. Yeah, we're biting at her for a while, and then the catcher comes and saves her because his job is to actually get those children. Yep. And he saves her, and he asks for payment in sex, which you know, in twenty twenty one eyes and in ninety sixty eight eyes, probably problematic. Yep. So she's like, oh, but our cycles are out of whack, and all this sort of stuff. It's like, what do you mean? And it's like, in the future, you have to have, be picked by the system to mate with other people and there is a system you use to do it and you have pills and you have to do it when your cycles are in sync. No, 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 no. We do it the old-fashioned way. So he ends up having sex with her, which he's never done before. And she becomes quite liberated and is like, that was quite nice. I like it. Can I have some more? So, um, Interestingly, the, the catch man that uh, 
that comes to to Shagger in his little, I don't know what you'd call it, land yacht sort of thing. He's wearing like this weird furry suit. But then when he takes the suit off, he is equally as hairy under that suit as he is without it. So It, it was 1968, man. Look at Sean Connery. You know, he was super hairy too. Men yeah. were allowed to be hairy back then. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. So, I mean, you watch the, the TV show Vikings now, not one hairy mon- man amongst them. Ridiculous. Not like they're that in history. <laughs> no, they're still hairy. Anyway, yeah. So they get it on, and she's like, "This is all right. I like the sexy, sexy." So that's all well and good. So we have our second costume change because it does start off with the strip tease. So the credits, she's floating in in her spaceship in zero gravity, taking off her um, spacesuit, which yep. is very reminiscent of Kylie Minogue's film clip. If you've seen that, yeah. Know which one came first? Is it put yourself? <laughs> Carly Minogue's not that old. Is it Put Yourself in My Place? Is that the one? Sure. Hmm. I'm, I'm not a huge Kylie fan, but it's one of her songs. So so we go from spacesuit to perspex and nylon sort of outfit. Yep. And she talks to her boss, and the boss sends her to this planet to find Duran Duran. She crash lands. She gets kidnapped by the children. And they these robot little dolls with razor-sharp teeth, you know, bite at her costume. She gets saved by the cash man. He gives her an outfit, so she gets this sort of like skunk outfit yep. sort of thing. So it's little furry things with go-go boots. It's very cute and fetching. So costume change. There we go. He sends her on her way, gets back to her spaceship, flies to where she needs to go, crash lands in a labyrinth. Yep. And then she ends up meeting an angel, an angel named Piger, played by John Philip Law. Remember yep. that name for a few episodes from now. Okay. So, who's lost the will to fly because she needed to get somewhere because the ship's crashed again, so it needs to be fixed. And Marcel Marceau, in a speaking role, is the yeah. guy who fixes the ship for her. Mm. So, and the and the people in there's a bunch of people in the labyrinth, crazy costumes, by the way. This is all weird futuristic French psychedelic retro futurism, in as far as costumes go. Yep. Weird boobs hanging out, that sort of stuff. Lots of flesh on show. And these are the people thrown out of the main city of where she's after. So it's like, okay, so she ends up finding this angel, and he takes her back to her nest, and they have sex. Because she likes the sex now, it's all well and good. And he's got the will to fly again, which is great, because it fixes everything apparently, so that's mm. good. Did you mention so he was, was blind? Like, you have... oh, I did not mention him. Yeah, so Pygar is blind. Mm. I mean, she doesn't fix that, but he can fly again. Yep. So these robot sort of creatures sort of walk around a bit too and they were killing some bad, or not bad people, just people in the labyrinth. Um, they were trying to get away from that. When they were flying away, these rocket ships came at them with these robots in them and she used her laser gun and shot at them and yep. blew them up. And they're like quirky-looking spaceships, but they were also part of the inspiration for TIE Fighters in Star Wars, just for a little bit mm, of trivia there. There you go. So that's all good. And then they end up making it to the main city where Duran Duran's meant to be. Yep. And they get kidnapped again, don't they? Or they get separated. Yeah. They, um, the angel gets kidnapped and crucified. And she meets up with, like, this strange one-eyed prostitute, I guess you'd call her, because she, she basically says to Barbarella that you can play with me for free if you like and keeps calling her pretty, pretty, and that's when Barbarella says, yeah, my name's not pretty, pretty, my name's Barbarella. But she then goes off and Barbarella manages to find Pygar again and rescue him from crucifixion. Yeah, and then 
it's strange. They kind of escape one bad room and they sort of hook up with a bunch of people that sort of tells them that the the dark tyrant is ruining the city and they need to try and get away from them. And Barbarella kind of gets captured again and she's put in this weird torture chamber that is filled with budgies. And I can't think of a worse torture chamber yes. than to be in a giant sphere filled with budgies. Like, yeah, I, I don't... Because I, I, I looked at them as budgies. I read the trivia and they were saying they were love birds because they wanted hummingbirds, but they couldn't transport them. That was illegal. So they used um, love birds or something. He's like, they were freaking budgies. Oh, I know but, what a budgie looks like. We're Australian. They were definitely budgies. Yeah. But yeah, reading the trivia, yeah, apparently... Gets. Apparently the budgies were a bit out of control and they're just like they had fans to push them into the sphere that she was in and apparently it just made the budgies shit everywhere. So Jane Fonda herself got sick from being covered in budgie shit and they had to like delay production for a little bit. But again, she's mm. in this tube getting attacked by budgies. The budgies rip off her tights and attack her clothing and stuff. So again, her costume again and she ends uh, up being saved by the rebels. There's a trap door or something that's open and she ends up in a room with Dildana, I think his name is, who yep. was the leader of the revolution against the, the Black Queen. And Sogo was the name of the town or the city that they were yep. So he's all there going, oh yeah, we'll saved you. Where are you from? You're from Earth. Oh, you can join our, you can join our cause. We're going to take down the Black Queen. We're going to do all this sort of stuff. It's like, oh, thank you. Thank you for saving me. How can I thank you? How can I thank you, is what she's saying, intimating that it's like this whole sex thing is really good. I'd like to have some more, please. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that would be good. And then he pulled out the pills. It's like, well, oh, she was really disappointed. It was like, oh, no, I've got some of your earth pills. We can use them. They end up having earth, modern earth, which is where sense, they yeah. take these pills and hold hands, basically push palms against each other, and they sort of pop like popcorn for a bit, essentially. Yep. He seems to like it. She seems a bit nonplussed. But yes, what, what I thought was really fun funny little scene. in that scene that while they're doing it, someone else walks into the room that they're in and she sort of like snaps out of the moment for a second and looks at him as if to say, oh, sorry, we're kind of busy here. <laughs> but yep. Yeah, I thought that was a bit strange. And again, the costuming of the dude that walks in, he's got this kind of cutaway outfit that, that has his belly hanging out of his outfit. But yeah. Yep. So... There's a, a bit of hilarity ensues that the, the dude that she has sex with gives her an invisible key to go and unlock yes. an invisible lock in an invisible wall so she can break into the, the dream chamber where the dark tyrant is. Yeah. Yes. And mm. she also gives him a, a password for when they want to go and pick up the, the spaceship again. And yes. I'm sure it's a Welsh word that she gives him, but it's his long it's sort the, of... It is a Welsh word. It's the longest town name in the world. It's that cock <laughs> that finishes with cock Yes. <laughs> yes. Kind of weird. So, so that's all good, but obviously the costume got destroyed, so we get another costume change. Yeah. And she gets put into another costume, and then she leaves, and she comes across, and she actually finds Duran Duran, and he, he's aged. He was twenty something years old when they left, but the matmos, which is the liquid essence that lives under the city is actually pure evil and it lives off people's desires and evil and it has aged him to be a 50 plus year old man now mm. so he captures her and it's like oh because he's got a positronic ray which he wants to use to take over to destroy the black queen and take over sogo where barbarella is meant to get him and the positronic ray back because they don't want it to fall into the wrong hands so he ends up taking her prisoner and puts her in a machine now it's 
sex machine to kill. So she sits in a machine. It's like one of those old steamers, you know, the old like one person yeah, saunas where you sit in a box and the head sticks yeah. out the top. Yeah, so it's sort of like that with, with these big bits on top. And he plays it like a piano. And she's all there and she's like, oh, what are you doing to me? Don't talk to me. Oh, that's actually quite nice. Gets to enjoy it for, for a while. Then she gets scared. Then she enjoys it. Then she gets scared. Then she enjoys it a lot. And then she ends up breaking the machine. Because she enjoyed it too much. Keep up with her. What is wrong with you? How did you break my machines? Hmm. Yeah, I've got to say, as a young kid, I had no idea, but this scene did things for me. I didn't know what it was at the time. It was like, these things did things. Because he breaks a machine, they get out and they have a bit of a conversation. It's like, I want to take the queen down too. Here you go. Here's a plan. She's in her dream chamber at the moment. Or if only we could get in there. It's like, well, I've got the key. It's like, ah, well, if you go in there and do this, then we can get away with it and he basically new costume in they go he throws her in uses the key and locks them in there it's like haha now i've got you both out of the way i can do what i need to do it's like oh so she ends up finding the black queen and they have a conversation it's like and then all things start to rock and roll in there it's like what's going on it's like oh so matt moss no one's allowed in the dream chamber with me it's going to destroy everything it's like oh that's no good. They've got like a TV monitor thing that they could watch what was going on. And yep. Duran Duran was getting coronated to be the new king and take over Sogo. Plus, the rebels were attacking and, and starting a revolution in Sogo as well. It's all happening and they're stuck inside the dream chamber with no way out because he took both keys. It's like, ah, oh. so the Black Queen basically goes, I know, I'll let the Matmos go and we'll kill everybody. It's like, yep. it's a bit rough, but okay. So they do that and they're going to kill themselves as well. But a bubble protects them. They're going, why, why aren't we dead? It's like, because we've been put in a bubble. It's mm. protecting it. Your innocence has protected us. The Matmos won't, won't kill you. It's like, okay. yep. So they end up getting out and getting free, and the Matmos didn't actually kill everyone in the end anyway. They got free. They took out Duran Duran. They found Pyga. Everyone was good. The revolution wins. Everyone, you know, yep. it's all good. All good. So that's essentially the plot. It takes nine minutes to tell this story. Watching it again this time for the first time in a long time. Fuck, it's a long 90 minutes. You reckon? Uh, I thought it's... It drags. Yeah, I mm. thought it drags. Something that's very short, it takes a while. And, I mean, the costumes and the set design and all this sort of stuff is crazy. And that's what sort of makes it interesting. It would be very... Um, I must say, I really like Jane Fonda's performance. Yes. She plays naivety really well and, and just comfortable. Like, yeah. watching it now is a much more... Oh, I'm going to call myself mature. No, fuck that. Watching <laughs> it as an older, older performance, going, you know, she's really delivers it well. Like, she's come from a world where sex is not a thing. Yeah. And she's discovered sex. And it's not that juvenile. You know, she's quite comfortable with it. She's comfortable, she's comfortable with all these sort of things. So it's not a, she's not shy, she's not prudish, she's not other, th- it's just, it's just, I, I was really impressed with actually her performance with the whole thing. It's just like, oh yeah, it just is. You know, she's not making a big deal about any of it. It's just is. And, you know, maybe it was something to do with the swinging 60s back then. And, it could be, yeah. You know, especially being French and Italian production and all this sort of stuff where it's like, we're not, we don't care. We're not prudes. We don't, it's fine be fine and all that sort of stuff so i took that so the costuming her performance i thought was good there was some 
good jokes in there, some really nice design work and everything, but should be better or it could be better. I've never read any of the original comics that it's based on, so I don't know how true any of that sort of stuff is. But just the weirdness with the with the budgies attacking and the dolls with the razor sharp teeth, there's some really quirky, weird stuff in there. But yep. just, it's a really strange film. Yeah, it was going to be a sequel. They thought about they were going to be it was going to be called Barbarella Goes Down, and it was going to be an underwater one. But um, mm. obviously, it didn't happen. And they've talked about sequels many a time, and even Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, was going to make one in around the nineties with Rose McGowan, the Barbarella character. Okay. Just never happened. The funding just never came through. But it's like, yeah, it's something that I could see working again if they really wanted to. Could it though? I don't see. I don't know. Yes I, and no. I just. I don't the, see it being made. No, I, I think the exploitiveness of it probably would mean they wouldn't do it again. They would have to change it a lot for it to kind of fly today. Well, I mean, then that's maybe why it won't happen. Maybe because they wouldn't do it. They yep. wouldn't go down that route. You know, whereas I'm like, you got to go nuts if you're going to do it. you got to go balls to the wall, fuck it, let's let's be R-rated and full-on sexual, you know. You couldn't do a PG version. It just mm. wouldn't be worth it, you know. No. There's no point. Maybe that's why they're not doing it. But I, I don't see why. But if you look at the movies that come out now, you just don't get these sort of films. No. You know, everything, if you're going to spend enough money on any of these sort of movies, they are... For a big audience, so it's either going to be on Disney Plus or Netflix, and they're all pretty sedate when it comes to this sort of stuff. So you don't have a cinema release where people, you know, are going to go see this or a drive-in and that sort of stuff. So maybe you just won't see this sort of movie ever again, which is unfortunate because I think it could be done. It's just the the logistics of making a R-rated film like yeah. Deadpool works as an R-rated film that made a lot of money. Why? Because it's sort of based in X-Men Marvel Universe. It's And it's funny. It's violent. It's not sexual. Yep. So there's money to be made. There's money to be made future with future viewings and DVD sales and the toy sales and all this sort of stuff. Where I would like to see movies like this made. We're just done in one crazy out there science fiction ideas. with a little bit of nudity in there. Go for it. Bring it mm. on. But, yeah, I just – unfortunately, I don't think the um, avenues are out there for people to watch them anymore. No. Interesting, though, watching this, it did remind me of a couple of Dino De Laurentiis's other movies. It had a lot of similarities Flash to Flash Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, there was a couple of scenes where even the way Pygar the Angel looked remind me a lot of the Hawkmen, you know, Brian Blessed in – Flash Gordon, the the scenes where they were yeah. flying away and they were shooting the bad guys and the robots were exploding, that made me think of Flash Gordon as well. Like the way it looks, the costuming, as you said, is is awesome. The set design is just so sixties. It's it looks great. Some of the writing I thought was a bit naff in the fact that the way they talk doesn't sort of come across very well now, but I guess in the 60s, that would have sounded futuristic. That being said, though, there was a couple of lines that Barbarella herself says that just cracked me up. There's one bit where after Pygar gets kidnapped and he's being crucified and tortured and she could hear him screaming in the background. And what she says is a good many dramatic situations begin with screaming. And I thought that is just a great line. 
But some of the other lines, as I said, the whole bit with the invisible key and just the goofiness of them trying to find the invisible key in the box that it's in. And then later on when she's got the invisible key, which apparently still was round her neck, even though she got a gear off to go in that machine, but she still had her invisible key. But yeah, it's things like that. I thought, well, that's just a bit crazy, but it was, it was 1968. So maybe that sort of stuff worked, but yeah, I, I, for me, Yes, I still like it, but I can see that it has huge problems looking at it now. The fact that it is, as I said, so exploitive, and not just to Jane Fonda, but poor old Pygar, the angels walking around in just a loincloth and his wings, John Philip Law. And even even the uh, the professor that's fixing a, a spaceship for her, he's just walking around in like a big uh, nappy. Sort of yeah, he's just in like a big brown nappy. And, mm. But... It, it is what it is. It, like, it, it is an entertaining I mean, film. It, I mean, it's uh, a crazy time capture for 1968. And yeah. for that, I love. I I mean, I watch these things because I have history in that. If you sat me down now and watched it, it would be different. Mm. Star Wars is still problematic. I was talking to a friend the other day, and they were talking about they introduced Star Wars to their kids. And my showed it to my kids, who were a bit, bit younger than theirs. And, you know, they love it for what it is. It's great. It's a great adventure yarn where they showed Star Wars to their daughters, and I think the daughter's around seven or eight, and she's like, not enough women in this movie. No. She doesn't get to do anything. The one that is doesn't get to do anything. This is shit. It's like, okay. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of things are problematic, you know? Even today, movies are still problematic, but, yeah, it, it, it is what it is, and that's what I look at as a timepiece, as it definitely represents a different time. It's trying to be progressive in a lot of ways, but it still has a lot of... You know, stigmas from that time. But yeah, as a piece, and I really dig, you know, Jane Fonda's performance in it. I think it's mm. quite good. And is it trying to say anything? I don't think so. I think it was trying to be progressive and say, how cool is sex? It's fun. Don't be prudish. I think, if anything, but I think it was just cool. What can we do that's cool? Here's a cool outfit. Here's a very good looking woman. Here's a good looking man. Let's show off their bodies. Let's just appreciate all that stuff. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. As, as you said, the swinging 60s. Mm. And obviously, uh, it has got on to inspire a lot of things from this. As you said, it's got the, uh, the Kylie Minogue video where she emulates the floating in space. And obviously, the band Duran Duran got their name from the professor yes. Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool too. So, well, yeah. there, if you look it up, I'm sure it's on YouTube, but there is a Duran Duran did a, you know, you have an album or whatever on a concert tour. Yeah. There was a concert tour called Arena, which they sort of did. And that's the concert tour. There was interstitial bits with, a, with acting, you know, and they yep. actually got the director who played Duran Duran back to play Duran Duran in it and they're doing sections of that so that was kind of funky hmm. which I have not gone back to watch and I probably should have done it before I watched this because now I'm getting all the static going because my sister is a massive Duran Duran fan so being a younger brother I was also a, a Duran Duran fan and have seen them twice because of this but yeah I remember when my sister got the the video out from the video library of Arena and I was like oh yeah they were talking about it so i must have known barbarella by that point as a movie yeah but yeah because it was a big deal that he was in it that was was kind of quirky and cool well duran duran have actually got a song called electronic barbarella and if you see the video for that it's like the group of all of duran duran going to a shop and buying this uh, female 
sort of mannequin that turns to a robot and it's like a pleasure bot sort of thing it's a rather bizarre video yeah it as i said it it has inspired a lot of things obviously the costumes influenced john paul gautier and his designs for fifth element and just his general designs. The costuming is pretty out there, like especially the stuff that Barbarella wears. But yeah. Oh, it, everyone. There's no normal outfits in there. No. But as far as sort of semi sexual French Italian pieces go, this is probably the best one in the piece. <laughs> well, reading up the wiki, they said, oh, it's sort of a movement of movies back then, sort of like other movies of the time that were like this. It's like, really? So just all it did with me was give me another list of films that I maybe want to go see. Hmm. So yeah, there's there's probably not much else we can say about Barbarella. It was of its time. Definitely. Hmm. I still enjoyed it, but I can still still see that it is yeah. There's still issues, but it's still a, a fun enough watch. As you said, you seem to think that it drags. I was quite entertained for the whole 98 minutes. I, I always have memory of it being a long film, and watching it again, I'm like. How long does it go for? Only 90. Why does it feel so long? And they're just watching it. It just seems to drag. It just Yeah, I don't know. Because hmm. not a lot happens. Like, a lot happens. But not a lot happens quickly, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. But there's no real wasted motion in it. It's, it's you know, one scene to the next. There's no extended traveling or anything like that it's just let's do this then i'm going to do this and they go and do it sort of thing but yeah but all the way the new scene yep and cool music the music it really is a highlight for me as well so yeah all right well that's probably a nice place for us to wrap up a b episode on barbarella i'd say if you do want to try and watch it i think it's not on any of the streaming services because it is so old you can get it on dvd as you said and blu-ray and Blu-ray, yeah. So if you if you are interested, you could probably dig it up somewhere to give it a watch. But it's it's probably worth it. I think so. All righty. Well, if you have any feedback for us, if you want to tell us that we're idiots for watching Barbarella in 2021, you can jump on our Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. We are the MA Podcast on Twitter. And we are the MA Podcast.podbean.com. So until next time, when we come back with the letter C, thank you very much, Mitch. See you later. And bye-bye. It's a wonder, wonder woman, you're so wild and wonderful, cause it seems whenever we're together, the planets all stand still. Psychedella, there's a kind of cockle shell about you. Barbarella, Barbarella. Dazzle me with rainbow color, fade away the color shade of living. Get me up high, teach me to fly. Electrify. Above the stratosphere, bring your dear.
Barbarella, Barbarella. 